Everyone has their favorite MMA fighter. When it's their time to shine and fight week rolls around, the card has that extra zing, that little bit of shine knowing that we will soon get to see our favorite artists work the canvas. Unfortunately, we don't always get to see these individuals perform to their best abilities, and knowing what they are already capable of makes seeing a lackluster performance all the more painful. Despite the level of martial arts brilliance, time and time again, several fighters have succeeded in making a stand in front of our screens, reaching levels of frustration found only after the first six hours you've spent in Dark Souls' Blight Town. And before the video, just a quick reminder to like and subscribe. We recently noticed only a few of you are getting notifications, so make sure to click the bell and turn those on. I'm Balian from MMA On Point, and here are the 10 most frustrating fighters to watch ever. Number 10, Chael Sonnen. Although some will claim he's still undefeated and has still yet to lose a round, unfortunately for the American gangster, the reality is a little different. Remaining undefeated in your mind has its perks, however, as the bravado of Mr. P. Sonnen granted him many a lucrative opportunity. But for those that supported him in those shots at glory, it's unfortunate to say that he fell short on a number of occasions. Initially, Sonnen's promotional and wrestling prowess had carried him from UFC newcomer to title contender in less than two years. And all the while, he described the ways in which he would emerge victorious over invincible champion Anderson Silva. As you'll most likely know, he put a beating on Silver for four and a half rounds before tapping in the fifth. Yes, that does seem frustrating, doesn't it? To witness your favorite fighter dominate for 23 minutes, then in classic bad guy fashion be defeated by the hero in the final act. Unfortunately for Chael, this was only the beginning. His performance in the rematch paled in comparison, and the spinning backfist he decided to throw had his wrestling fans in equal parts heartbreak and disbelief, as if they'd just reached the ending of Mass Effect 3. Subsequently, he talked himself into a title shot with John Jones and once again found himself at the deep end of the pool with one of the best martial artists in the world, held afloat only by a raft made of his own trash talk. He'd go on to add to fans' resentments with back-to-back first-round losses against Rashad and Tito Ortiz, fights in which he just wasn't able to get the game plan going and looked like he didn't even belong in the same cage. Number 9. Fabricio Verdum if you draw up the list of names on Vika Vio's hit list, you'll find some of the greatest heavyweights in MMA history, including Cain Velasquez, Alistair Overeem, Big Nog, and Fedor Emelianenko, all of whom were finished by the former UFC champion. What unfortunately didn't change throughout his career was his choice of rather interesting tactics. This includes making funny faces at his opponents, pointing at the mat, and calling out the 10-second clap as rounds are ending. Oh, and flying sidekicks, but those are just cool. In his second fight with Alistair Overeem, despite the demolition man being tapped by the Brazilian in his first outing, and that he was coming off the back of his stunning submission victory over Fedor, Vadum proceeded to beg Alistair to join him on the mat as he continued to pull guard and failed on 11 takedown attempts in the first round. Call atop me and meet your doom! The Ream was of course having none of it, continued with his best Morpheus impression calling him back to the feet and nothing but booze preceded Fabricio's attempts to keep the fight there. Frustrating not only for fans of Vadum who surely expected better having just beat the consensus heavyweight GOAT, but also for everyone watching the fight as it was clear Overeem was not going to engage in a ground battle. Unfortunately, the worst of it came against Stipe Miocic in his home country as he lost his belt when choosing to recklessly charge a retreating Stipe who slept the Brazilian in front of a very discontented home crowd. Number 8. Anderson Silva the spider may have been superhuman inside the octagon, and even in his prime may have given Bonesaw a run for his money, but that didn't prevent him from putting on some downright frustrating performances, ones that saw him lose fans and activate the ever-dormant volcano in Dana's head. The first of these came against Talis Lates at UFC 97. Up until this point, Anderson had done nothing but finish each of his UFC opponents, and the same was expected here. Silva was clearly the superior striker on the feet, but unlike in previous performances, never seemed to push for the finish. Lates spent a good deal of time on his back with the spider content to just kick at his legs and shockingly the fight went the full five rounds with latest only landing 10 significant strikes 
The media, along with fans, began to question why Anderson didn't simply put away what seemed to be a wounded animal, and this pattern continued at UFC 112 against Damian Meyer. This time he added some Roy Jones Jr.-like taunts throughout the fight, urging Meyer to engage while everyone at home watched, waiting for Silva to steamroll him at any moment. But he didn't, and all the while, Meyer made it to the fifth round, yes, 20 minutes of fighting, having only landed five punches. Dana was furious, and this may have been the very fight to ruin the chances of Anderson Silva vs GSP ever happening with the president left telling media, I don't want to see that fight now. He doesn't deserve to fight GSP. Number 7. Mirko Krokop when you look back on the significance of the UFC's merger with Pride, it's hard to believe something like that ever happening again. The Japanese promotion's roster was stacked with world-class talent and competitors, true elite martial artists who had already proved themselves on the biggest stage, and were already superstars just waiting to be matched with the UFC's roster. Among the many arrivals was the highly anticipated UFC debut of Mirko Krokop, a man whose head kick KOs had earned him a place amongst the best strikers in martial arts history. Unfortunately for Krokop fans, Mirko was simply unable to replicate this in the UFC. His debut went perfectly as he literally marched through a wild Eddie Sanchez, but subsequently met Gabriel Gonzaga, who took him down, introduced him to UFC elbows on the ground, and just as the commentators were done talking about Krokop's decision not to train in the cage as his head was being smashed against it, fired a head kick that instantly KO'd the Pride legend. But what about the kicks of Krokop? His next contest with Chuck Congo would see him go an entire 10 minutes throwing only one kick, causing Ocarina of Time water temple levels of frustration amongst the Croatian fans in a fight where he went on to lose via unanimous decision. He would return to the UFC two years later where he found his footing a little before ending on a three-fight losing streak all by stoppage. Number 6. Quinton Rampage Jackson Having been a fan of Rampage in Pride, I'm not going to say he didn't have some frustrating performances there. Still, his losses were only to the best. But once he finally hit the UFC and quickly became one of its most popular faces, captured the world title and was finally put in a position to really transcend the sport, we started to see things fall apart. And I must say that it was frustrating. After unifying the Pride and UFC title by defeating Dan Henderson at UFC 75, we began to see the same weaknesses that had been exposed in his losses in Pride. Beginning in his second title defense against Forrest Griffin, he was on the receiving end of a well-rounded assault as Forrest mixed up leg kicks with clinch knees and body kicks as Rampage remained stuck in second gear. He bounced back with two more wins and after the most successful season of the Ultimate Fighter yet was in prime position to challenge for the title once more. All he had to do was get past Rashad Evans and the combined minds of Trevor Whitman and Greg Jackson's game plan. Easy peasy. It didn't go well unfortunately for Rampage as Rashad baited out his offense and controlled in the clinch and on the ground. Jackson had Evans hurt in the third round but was unable to finish which piled on to the existing fan frustration. After we saw the same story play out against John Jones, it became clear that Rampage was at an impasse in his career and his reluctance to evolve and rely on, as he put it, elaborate game plans left most of us defeated. Number 5. Nate Diaz it's not necessarily easy to understand the complexity of MMA as a newcomer to the sport. Different strategies create different opportunities, and some things aren't as simple as casual fans might believe. Considering Nate Diaz's popularity throughout the years, he's certainly garnered the support of many fans who might be in a similar position, but even they could have pointed out the repeated holes in the game of the Californian, who despite soon entering his 15th year with the promotion, has shown little interest in correcting them. His fights against the likes of Donald Cerrone, Gray Maynard, and Michael Johnson give us an insight into the true masterpieces that Nate can paint, but it was a continuous lackluster performances, especially on the biggest of stages throughout his career, that stirred the blood of the UFC fanbase. 
Each style has its drawbacks, Diaz leaning so heavily on his front foot certainly makes him a target for leg kicks, and we've seen this exploited from early opponents like Benson Henderson and Rory McDonald right up until his last contest against Leon Edwards, a fight which caused outrageous levels of frustration as he had Edwards badly hurt in the final round, but decided to taunt instead of try to finish. Nate has secured a lot of wins by submission, especially off of his back, but against the likes of Joe Stevenson, Clay Guida and Rafael Dos Anjos, Nate seemed content to sit in his guard as he lost round after round. Diaz certainly has his own style, and I doubt he's going to change that now, but it doesn't stop 209 fans doing their best Picard impression after 15 years of fandom. Number 4. BJ Penn with so many generations of fans joining the sport over the last few years, existing legends like the Hawaiian Prodigy often have their legacies overlooked, as the performances at the tail end of their careers show only a fighter who simply has nothing left to give. Still, I would consider them lucky, as those of us that witnessed the rise of BJ had to share in the heartbreak and frustration of his fall, and I have to say that those last few years really took the jam out of my donut. Ask most fans of the Prodigy, and they'll tell you his peak performances came in 2009, where in January he lost his welterweight title fight against GSP and subsequently sought the aid of fitness gurus the Marinovich brothers who pushed his cardio and intensity to levels we had yet to see from BJ. So having again witnessed another level of what we thought was possible from already one of the greatest to ever do it after he batted Diego Sanchez and Kenny Florian, expectations were high for his upcoming title defense against Frankie Edgar, but after a close contest it was Frankie who was named the new champion. A rematch followed, but BJ didn't appear himself. Frankie controlled him for over six minutes on the mat and outstruck him 142-56, to 56, with Joe Rogan exclaiming, I didn't think I'd hear this out of my mouth, but BJ is getting outclassed. BJ continued to take fights as we saw him implement strange stances, weird game plans, seemingly getting further and further away from the fighter he once was, and we watched him lose every fight he had for the next eight years. Number 3. Donald Cerrone I know I've already made one Spider-Man reference, but I have to give props to Uncle Ben when he laid those heavy words on Peter, with great power comes great responsibility. If your power is to achieve the most wins and most finishes in UFC history, then of course you have a responsibility to show up each and every time and perform those talents. Because if you don't, people will be disappointed, frustrated, use whatever words you like. And for someone like Donald Cerrone, this became an all-too-familiar feeling. Having all seen what he's capable of in several UFC performances, his consistent ability to unfortunately fall at the final hurdle is something that repeated throughout his entire career. Cowboy's first UFC run saw him go 4-0 with three spectacular finishes. Then in his first big fight met Nate Diaz at UFC 141. With tired implications on the line, Cerrone never got the car on the road and was unfortunately mauled by the surging Diaz who took every opportunity to jab, slap and flip the bird at Cowboy. He would bounce back with more finishes but lose in the first round in another title eliminator fight to Anthony Pettis where he would land just four strikes. Talk about frustrating. After losing to future champion Rafael Dos Anjos, Cerrone went on a tear, amassing an eight-fight win streak, five of them finishes. He had unquestionably earned his title shot, but having struggled to perform in these situations in the past, media and fans had their doubts, which turns out were not unfounded, as he again landed only four strikes in the rematch with RDA before being finished in the first round, leaving Cowboy fans everywhere, slinging tirades of anguish at their screens in levels not seen since Upham's breakdown on that staircase in Saving Private Ryan. Number two. Cody Garbrandt. In order to secure a title shot these days, there's a few things you can do. Ensure you pick the right opponents, don't rush too early in your career, and get your social media game on point. Cody Garbrandt showed us, however, that you actually only need a shitload of cool tattoos to rack up four KOs in your first five fights and to do it all in the space of one year. 
He then put on one of the single greatest performances in UFC history as he dismantled the GOAT bantamweight Dominic Cruz, showcasing next-level footwork speed and timing the likes of which the division had never seen. He also gained a multitude of MMA fans in the process, and they were all keen to see the heated rivalry showdown against former teammate TJ Dillashaw. The verbal exchanges leading up to the Cruz fight had been spicy, and many expected this to be reflected in the performance of Garbrandt. Against TJ, however, he called the brawling exchanges, desperate to land a killing blow, and was stopped by the challenger. Okay, lesson learned, composure is key. They run it back and what do you know, we see Cody caught up in exactly the same exchanges, throwing his right hook three times in a row and getting cracked by TJ, who poured on the pressure and finished the fight. Still, we hope things will be different against Munoz, but the same Cody went out on his shield, again caught brawling a far cry from the slick and calculated performances that saw him win his title. Now it seems things are almost heading in the opposite direction, with Cody becoming slightly more gun-shy in his last performance. Number 1. Tyron Woodley Beginning his days as a wrestler with an unbridled ability to slam opponents into the canvas, the Chosen One established himself as a force in the Strikeforce promotion, as he took out the likes of Tarek Safadine, Jordan Mean, and Paul Daly. It wasn't until Strikeforce merged with the UFC that Woodley's right hand became a chin magnet, as he picked up three first-round finishes en route to a title shot. In Strikeforce, Tyron had scored 15 takedowns in his seven appearances, but after his TKO loss to Nate Marquardt, Tyron would only secure six more in his next nine years of competition, and with this we started to see Tyron rely almost so solely on his right hand, with the forward pressure and threat of the takedown fading away. The Chosen One started to just back up to the cage, plant his feet and try to nail his pull counter. And to be fair, he did land it a few times, cracking Wonderboy Thompson as well as Darren Till, but for the majority of his opponents, all that was required was forward pressure and Tyron would be willingly retreating to the cage. Whether Woodley was being overly cautious, committed to his counter right hand, or was worried about gassing out, we can't be sure. But after dropping the title to Usman, we saw the same story repeat as he lost 16 rounds of mixed martial arts in a row, with little to no variation in his game plan, save for his last UFC performance. Seemingly being his kryptonite, this narrative continued into his boxing contest with Jake Paul, extremely frustrating for MMA and Chosen One fans everywhere. Big shout out and thank you to Max Randall for editing this video. You can follow him on Twitter at Max underscore Randall. Shout out to Ben Rosette and the excellent music he provided during the intro video. His music can be found on streaming platforms everywhere. There is a link in the description and follow him at Ben Rosette on Instagram and on Twitter. Thanks so much for watching today, guys. Remember to like and subscribe. I'll see you in the next one.